so one of my favorite podcasts, the um, Under the Radar, they they do um, half an hour. Um, and I love that because it was like the perfect, my train stops as yeah. soon as I get on the train. <laughs> I turn it on as soon as I get off, it's done. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it is It is pretty impressive to, to keep it to 30 minutes all the time. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not good at staying on topic. It's like, hey, there's so many fun things and let's talk for another hour. That's it. It's a squirrel. Yeah, and then yeah. someone knows a fun fact about squirrels, and we'll talk about squirrels for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, do you want to start reading a thing? <clears throat> Hi, and welcome to Slices, the Deep Dish Swift podcast. Deep Dish Swift is a Supreme Swift developer conference baking in Chicago. It will be served from April 30th to May 2nd. On this podcast, we're chatting with organizers and speakers of the conference. We're Kaya Malin, and in this episode, we're joined by Mark Apon who is an iOS engineer, technical writer, a mentor to HBCU students, a member of the Swift core team, and of course, a speaker at Deep Dish Swift. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing splendid. How are you all doing? Yeah, good. I'm happy I got the got the intro working. <laughs> we love love to see it. Love to see it. So, uh, great to see you here. Great to have you here. Um, we want to chat to you about uh, a bit about your background first, and then we'll get into what you do and yeah, all the things. So, Mark, um, to start off, I'm curious to hear where you currently are and where you're from. Absolutely. So, I am currently in the sunshine state of Florida in the United oh. States of America in the city of Orlando. I uh, used to be in uh, New York City. I was up there for about five years, but I recently transitioned back to Florida so that I can mm. be closer to family and do things like that. I think the pandemic uh, unearthed a lot of different things. Yeah. And I think one of them was just the effect of not being near family when everything was mm -hmm. going on and and folks were getting sick and mm -hmm. just the mm -hmm. worrying about like my parents because they're elderly and um, mm -hmm. things like that. And I think the opportunity opened up for me to be closer to home mm -hmm. and decided to transition back to see if I could uh, hopefully make a difference and and do something for the community that I grew up in. That's really cool. And it sounds like you get the benefit of the sun uh, <laughs> as, a, as a bonus. I, I, could, I love, I can say, I, I'm as much as I love New York, I love the year-round <laughs> weather that's here. Like today, I, I rode a good 15 miles um, with some friends on our road bikes. Um, yeah. Which is not at this time of year in New York. You're still wearing your jacket and yeah. it's still cold. So, um, the bit to to be able to do that has been such a cool cool thing. Yeah. Plus, I went swimming last weekend, which was another thing. Like yeah. swimming. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we get too jealous, <laughs> uh, what made you move to New York in the first place? I'm curious. That's a great question. So for me, I I really wanted to when I was making that journey. Well, let me go back one step further. So I am a career shifter or a career transitioner. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I'm one of these folks that kind of transition midway through my career. And so after some years of working as a systems engineer, when I wanted to try and pivot into mobile uh, programming and mobile development, uh, Orlando just really wasn't the type of place at the mm -hmm. time mm -hmm. that one would recognize as a technology hub yep. or a place where the meetup circle was a you know very vibrant mm 
Yeah. And so knowing that I wanted to get deeper into technology and that it wasn't quite established here, um, I've realized that I needed to make a move. And mm-hmm. so I decided to, being that I had family in New York and I have young children, so I, I know that I like to attend meetups and go yeah. out. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and do things like that. And I can't do that without somebody to watch the kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my wife and I would be trading. So it, for me, it was just going someplace where I had family was priority. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go out to SF because that's just like yep. the technology mecca. Everyone yep. just goes there. That's where the companies are. But I don't have any family there. Yeah. And so it would have been hard for me to transition there and not have any family support. I happen to have uh, family support in New York. And so I said, you know what? New York it is. New York's a great <laughs> place for tech. Uh, I happen to have uh, lived there long ago. And I had family and it made sense. So I yeah, yeah. packed up my bags, sold my house <laughs> and moved to New York. How long did you live in New York for? Five years. Oh, wow. I, I moved in 2017 and I just moved back to Florida uh, in August of last year. Did you notice a change in the community activities in Orlando uh, in the, since since then? Significantly, I think there's um, much more. There's a much more vibrant community now. I don't know that the iOS community is as strong yet, but then again, I haven't really gotten as plugged in as I want to. And so that's my next goal is to take all of the learnings yep. mm-hmm. that I had from organizing meetups and being part of meetups in New York mm-hmm. and bring those things to Orlando so that folks here can embrace and have an opportunity to get to know Swift and get mm-hmm. to know iOS programming and things of that nature. So that that's my eventual goal <laughs> is to is to partner up with especially some of the existing orgs down here. Hmm. Um, to say, hey, let's bring a new iOS meetup uh, back to Orlando, which was, it's ironic because that's actually kind of how I got my start. When I was first learning to, um, first learning Swift, Mm -hmm. my first ever community activity was I created a meetup uh, just west of Orlando in this town called Claremont. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did that because at the time I was living in Claremont and I... I didn't like to always have to go to Orlando for me yeah. driving half an hour. It's like, you know what? I'm just going to create one where I'm at and I'm yeah. going to bring them to me. Um, and that's what I did. And it was cool. I had like six or five or six of us. Yeah. We mm-hmm. met at a Pandora uh, uh, Panera Bread uh-huh. and and we would just talk about Swift and the things mm. that we're learning. And really, that's really how I got started in community activities yeah. is really through meetup.com. I love meetup. Meetup is the, I feel like one of the core reasons why I had some level of growth mm-hmm. as a developer, yep. because I, I was agree. able to go meet other people mm-hmm. and share with them what I'm working on. Mm-hmm. And they would share with me what yeah, they're working yeah. on. And we would debug together yeah. and it was just the greatest thing because I I really kind of learned online on my own. And so mm-hmm. now this took learning online from your own and learning with others. And that tremendously yeah, increased yeah. my my potential. So Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think meetups have been very important for, for us as well, both when we started learning iOS development, because we both kind of, we did uh, study computer science and we had been programming, but 
like mobile development or iOS development was nothing we had like right there. So being able to go to a meetup where everyone's just like a super nerd about the same thing <laughs> that you are super passionate about, like it's just awesome to be able to just have this group of people. And like it doesn't have to be like a hundred people group. I think if you mm. have like five really core doesn't. people who you can chat with, uh, like you you're gonna it's just gonna be so much more enjoyable of a journey to to learn and to get into a community that way. It's also such a good anchor Absolutely. point, right? Especially when you're learning, you probably run into roadblocks every now and then. And it's so nice to not face those all by yourself, right? If you have other people Absolutely. that can ask, sometimes just talking about it to another person, mm -hmm. all of a sudden it clicks. And that just keeps really you does. keeps you going and keeps you in, in, in you know, if, if we wouldn't have had some anchor points in our career, maybe at some point we would have given up because something was hard or something just, you know, we felt like we wouldn't get there. But having having people around and also seeing people doing cool stuff and you're like, I want to mm -hmm. do cool stuff, right? Really, hey. I think that really helps and motivates. Yeah. It really did. And I think for me, it was the opportunity to not only get help from with projects or errors that I was having, uh, but also the opportunity to teach. Because mm -hmm. I, I'm a firm believer that if you really want to know if you know something, you have to be able <laughs> yeah. to teach it. Yeah. If mm -hmm. you could teach it, you know it. If you can't teach it, <laughs> then there's an opportunity for you to go back and unpack it some yeah. more. And for me, the meetups was an opportunity for me to assess where I am in my learning journey. And yeah. so if I could get to the meetup and I could tell some folks about, I just learned about functions. Let yeah. me tell you how these functions work, so on and so forth. Then I know that I could proceed past that chapter and go on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I love that you as well. Like, um, started it where you are because <laughs> we we have noticed that Kai and I we move quite a lot, and every time we move, I think as an adult, it's easy. Like, it's it's you don't have the natural places where you get to know people. So we always took that opportunity to just start a meetup wherever we are, and it's surprising to see, like, there might not have been a meetup, and there might not have been a like formalized community but as soon as they just start up a group it's like they all come out it's like where where have you all like where have you all been and then, like, you meet people who have been like been in the city for really long but they just right. hadn't had a chance to meet each other and then having that sort of meetup bringing people together yeah, uh, yeah it's, we're taking it's it to surprising. an interesting extreme lately every time we travel somewhere we also just host a meetup for one of the days and see if there are local people around Good. and it's so often like we were in in a surf town in California this this winter, uh, and we we posted a meetup online. I think it was fifteen people showing up. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I think those sort of things happen. Like when I first started Minds, when folks were telling me they were driving thirty forty five minutes mm -hmm. to come to this meetup, it was one motivating because I realized that there was a need that was not being served because. Uh, and you, it's ironic because I did, I noticed the same thing even when I went to New York. Mm -hmm. New York has a, a lot of meetups. I mean, more meetups mm -hmm. than you have time to deal with. Uh, <laughs> however, a good majority of those meetups are all in Manhattan. Yeah. And yeah, so really. one of the issues that I found was that, well, if you're one of these folks that lives in more urban environments yep. like Queens mm. or more mm. on the, what I call north of the wall, yeah. <laughs> um, because you get to a point where it's like, oh, folks don't go out there unless you're somewhere in Midtown or yeah. Upper West Side, you know. And so 
I actually took that as a call to action yeah. to say, you know what? Being that I was living in Queens, um, I'm going to start a meetup in Jamaica, in yeah. Jamaica, Queens, where yeah. uh, because a lot of those folks they might not ever get on the train to head to Manhattan to go mm-hmm. to one of these bigger buildings or go to the the Google office or the yep. Facebook mm-hmm. office. Let's just do one right here at this local mm-hmm. library yeah. where That's where awesome. the the population that I was after, which is a lot mm-hmm. of black and brown mm-hmm. folks, um, let's make sure that they have the opportunity to be mm-hmm. able to get to see this tech thing yeah. and see what it can do for them. If I go host it in the city, Maybe I, I'm just going to get the same old crowd, the after <laughs> five crowd that's leaving mm-hmm. work, yeah. that's already in the city. And for me, that's not the crowd that I want because that crowd is already well served. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. wanted to serve the crowd that wasn't served. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and awesome. that's the beauty of starting it where you're at. Um, and I have to give credit. Um, way back in the day, there was this. Uh, oh, my goodness. I can't I can't believe I forgot the name. But it was a podcast that was hosted by Garrett. I forget Garrett's name. Oh, I'm sure yes. I'll remember. Yeah, I, um, I know which one you're talking about. Split something. Um, but essentially, it started up, it started sparking in different cities. Mm-hmm. So um, this city would host it, Swift. Uh, and, and so what I liked about that is it's really started to take the initiative to say, instead of you waiting for the next meetup to happen in some downtown mm-hmm. or in the town that you live in find a nice little coffee shop invite mm-hmm. four or five folks and start it right there and i think that sort of grassroots building of community uh i'd at least like to see us get back to that i know the pandemic yep. has yep. like mm-hmm. altered our way of doing things but I, I really look forward to that sort of thing where you're able to go to whatever town, whatever city you're in and find a good local community of folks who are into the same tech that you are and run with it that way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree. I think it's such a it's a really nice approach. Um, and I, I do I do think we'll get back to more in person in-person things as well, even though like the online community is super helpful, but I think there's something to it to just like sit with each other, just like spitball ideas and just talk through, talk through your problems. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I feel, I feel like we, I do want to get back to um, your story a bit of how you got into development. Mm. So you mentioned that you were pivoting uh, from your previous career. What made you decide to do that shift and why did you pick iOS development? Sure, that's a great question. I... For me, it was a matter of realizing, uh, so every year for my birthday, I try to do a self-analysis of like, where are you? Mm-hmm. Are you on track to, to get to where you need to get to? And what change do you need to make right now to stay on track? And mm-hmm. I feel like it was one of these birthdays where I realized that after being with this company, I worked with. Uh, this company for 12 years um, uh, in various different roles, but my last role with them was as a systems engineer. Mm -hmm. And so I used to go around to various ATMs around town and uh, repair them in some way, whether that be hardware or software. Hmm. And uh, I used to, like, I'll be on site and I'll be building out. So when you stick your card in the machine and it's asking you, you know, what do you want to do? Withdraw, deposit, Mm -hmm. uh, from which account? So I used to build out the state flow for those screens. Um, And they're all like web-based. So it was like web-based technology, Mm -hmm. things like that. And I was doing that for a number of years. I got to year 12 and I said, man, 
I noticed that by looking around me that the technology that I was working with was fairly legacy. Mm-hmm. And I realized that if I don't make a change now, being that I'm already 12 years in, this is probably going to be it. I might as well just say, <laughs> all right, the next 15 years is going to be right here. Maybe if mm-hmm. I'm lucky by year 20, I'll get a nice fancy watch for my 20th anniversary <laughs> at the job and and I'll be happy about my watch and my pen and then I'll yeah. keep it moving. Yeah. And I realized that like at, at the same time, I felt like I was too young to be reaching such a mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. solid point in my career. Like, mm-hmm. no, I still have plenty of years left yeah. to work. <laughs> so um, that's when I decided, I, I remember actually seeing this ad online for a course on Udemy. Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. the complete web developer boot camp by Rob Percival. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing the course and thinking to myself, you know what? In college, um, I can't say that I was a straight A student, but one of the classes that I did get an A in was a introduction to web development. Mm-hmm. And I got a good A in that class. I mean, that was a 90 something percent A. Yeah. And so I realized, you know what? I should get back to this development thing because that was always, I've always loved computers. Yeah, I, yeah. I think even going back to my parents' house now, I still have computers taken apart from my childhood yeah. that I took <laughs> apart just out of curiosity. And I said, I I should really give this thing a try. Um, Although one of my ever, my first ever F in college in general was a a Java course. I took a course to Java. I flunked that course so bad. Oh, it was horrible. I said at that point, I will never touch programming a day in my life. I hate it. It is trash. It's pointless. And, uh, you know, full circle, here we are years yeah. later, and I'm a software engineer, yeah. which I, I never saw that coming. I really didn't. Um, but nonetheless, I, I decided to take this course, and I I just did it after hours. I still had my nine-to-five job. I would get off work. Um, my my wife worked nights, and so she would go to work, and it would just be me and my my oldest kid at the time he was just maybe a year old and i would he was a baby and so i i remember being home and setting up my station so i wouldn't have to get up so i would have my bottle warmer and my diapers (laughs) and his food and everything all in reachable distance so that i could be on my computer Watching my Udemy course, and if he cries, oh, his bottle's right there. Let me get it. <laughs> and and now I can get back to my course and kind of rock him to sleep in one hand, computer in the other hand. <laughs> and I remember doing that and realizing like how engaged I was at mm-hmm. learning something new and building mm-hmm. something. Like just thinking, what if I could build a website that did this and did this, and this would be on the left and this would be on the right, mm-hmm. and I can now go from a thought to a tangible thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just remember the feeling of accomplishment that that gave me that made me say, you know what? I need to look into this further. And so mm-hmm. I got a bit ways. I remember actually completing that course and getting my certificate like all the way through. I got my nice little <laughs> certificate on Udemy that says, congratulations, nice. you completed this course. You're a web developer now. Get out there and start awesome. getting things going. And I remember getting to the point where I would realize that as I started to learn more about web, and this is no shade on web, but 
I realized that it was like this never ending story of framework after framework. If it mm-hmm. wasn't Ember JS, it was React, it was Next, mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. Vue. Mm-hmm. It was, and I just felt so overwhelmed at how mm-hmm. wide mm-hmm. my learning path was yeah. that I remember a Udemy had this recommendation engine where it'd be mm-hmm. like, well, mm-hmm. if you took this course, maybe you would like this one. Yeah. And that same instructor was teaching a introduction to iOS development. Mm-hmm. I said, you know what? He did a pretty good job with the web mm-hmm. one. I finished that. Yeah. Let's try this thing out. And I had an iPhone at the time. I my and I was like, okay, yeah, let's let's try the iPhone. Maybe mm-hmm. I could build an app for the iPhone. And I fell in love with it. That, it yeah. was like <laughs> I think the controlled ecosystem of being within iOS and not having to yeah, worry about the various browsers yeah. and all of those sort of different things, I think, hooked me. Mm-hmm. And I decided to pivot away from web and go deeper into mobile. And that's pretty yeah, much yeah. how I got into mobile development. Mm, that's really cool. Do you remember what made web and then later iOS click that the Java course did not do? Because I had a similar experience. Visual. It's really hard to come back from... Uh, having a very challenging first experience with development, you mm-hmm. kind of think mm-hmm. development isn't for me. So I'm curious what, what what for you, if you remember what made the difference. The visual component. I think in course, when I was in the college course, mm-hmm. I think the most visual thing that we did was like, it was like a, a, a command, a terminal application. Yep. So mm-hmm. something like a lunch trays, uh, these students are going uh, uh, a like lunchroom scenario, working with stacks and yeah. and and heaps mm-hmm. and and yeah. doing things like that. And the most you ever did was like a press one to enter to yeah, run yeah, this yeah. command and yeah. press three and press four. And that just didn't do it for me because yeah. I remembered if I'm going to be coding, I want to create the applications that I'm using yeah. on my yeah. on my Windows PC mm. or on because at the time that I was working with Windows, mm. and so. The relevancy of it mm-hmm. probably made me yep. disconnected from it. And then at that point, when it's no longer relevant yep. and you're dealing with compiler errors that you don't know how to fix, your your, your code is buggy, it doesn't <laughs> run, you don't know how to execute it. It's only a matter of time before you fall off. Yep. And I think for yep. me, yep. that's what it was. Um, the iOS piece, though, I can build an app. I could see it. It's on mm-hmm. my phone. And I could show it off to my yeah. friends by bringing yeah. my phone to them and say, look yeah. what I built. Yeah. And yeah. I think for me, the ability to no longer be in a bubble of just writing something that nobody else cares about, nobody mm-hmm. else will ever see, nobody else will ever use, to writing something that can be on other people's phones. And yeah. guess what? By the way, everybody has one of these phones in their pocket. Yeah. <laughs> to me, that was the thing that was just like, yeah, that's, that's mm-hmm. what I want to do. Yeah. Because my impact would be so much further and mm-hmm. the feedback loop was much greater for me because I could write code, I could see it, and I can interact with it. Mm-hmm. And it actually meant something, like I could yeah. do something with it. So I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. I think I was introduced to programming the wrong way. And yeah. that mm-hmm. introduction gave me a distaste for it. Yeah. And so... Yeah. The introduction matters. If there's folks out there that are teaching and that are looking to um, bring folks into the community, how we introduce Mm -hmm. folks into the community and get them going 
matters just as much mm. because if it if your introduction and your on ramp sucks, you'll yeah. turn around and mm. about face yeah. and you won't you won't look back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I know that there's probably like there's probably a lot of sort of like in, in the exercise that they gave you for for what you should be doing with uh, Java, they might have thought, okay, he's learning a lot of fundamentals that are important, but then if 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 it is nothing that's like applicable, that's actually a real world scenario of when mm. that would be used, that's very exactly. discouraging because then you just it's just busy work and you don't really see the benefit of what you're creating, mm. even if I think you can use Java for really powerful things. Mm. Like you can, Absolutely. there are mm. good use cases for using Java, but it's it's unfortunate when you don't have like applicable use case, then it's just a lot less fun. Uh, yeah, similar to what we talked about with the meetups. When you have an anchor point and you actually want the thing you're building to exist, yes. it's a lot easier yes. to push yourself through the hard parts. Much easier. But speaking of uh, on-ramps, uh, now you're also writing for Codeco. Uh, yes. And teaching other people, how how do you get started with that? So that was actually interesting. Um, I've always in liked the idea of just trying to build on skills of uh, just different skills that I want to enhance later. Um, I do think at some point in time, uh, my north star of working as a, as a developer won't necessarily be as an engineer writing code. But somewhere teaching something mm -hmm. like in, in, in a teaching environment. And so I know that in order to teach at some point in times, my uh, at, at some point in time, my technical writing will need to be at a certain level and I'll need to get better at that. And so I remember seeing a Twitter ad that was like um, at the time it was before Codeco when it was Ray Wenderlich. Mm. And uh, I remember seeing the ad saying we're looking for authors And I remember, like, for me, Ray Wunderlich was one of the sites that I used to use yep. in my learning and came across those articles. And I remember the ability to come across something really interesting and how it helped me. And me always thinking about how I can further my reach to help the next person. Mm -hmm. It just made sense for me to um, go down that process. And so I applied and went through the process and they brought me onto the team and it's been um a really cool experience i've i i went through a little bit of a, a chill period of uh, of not writing but i'm getting back to like writing some more now mm -hmm. and and getting things up and going and i'm really looking forward to like getting more information out there because at the end of the day the name of the game for me is serving mm -hmm. and helping the community and writing just gives me another avenue to be able to do that so i do it <laughs> that's that's really cool and i think um related to teaching and getting more people in the into the community you have also been uh, doing mentorship with uh, hbcu students mm -hmm. um do you want to tell us a bit about how that got started how you get into that sure um so i that that was a very interesting experience i actually uh I've always been, as I stated, always been interested in just helping and teaching um, and doing things like that. And um, a friend of mine, Kaya Thomas, she she had actually recommended she knew of this opportunity to help these uh, HBCU students and had told me about the opportunity. And I thought to myself, this seems like really, really awesome because this would give me an opportunity to reach folks, especially at the collegiate level, mm -hmm. 
to really help get them exposed to Swift because I absolutely love Swift. I love what <laughs> I could do with it. I love all of the things that I could build. And so I want that for you too. And so <laughs> I'm always looking for ways to try to help folks out and especially coming um, from a community where um, not as many folks had access to certain parts of technology. I I figured that it it was incumbent upon me to get as deep as I can into certain communities mm -hmm. and teach them or share with them the things that I've learned while being part of larger, broader mm -hmm. communities. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. so I'm always looking for ways to, I want to be in every single room that I could be <laughs> in because then it's an opportunity for me to come back home and say, let me tell you what yeah. I just learned. Yeah. And let yeah. me help you learn this and, and, so on, so forth, um, and really just spread the love. And so what I do is I work with this uh, community called HBCUC2. That is an organization that seeks to bring uh, coding and creativity, um, empower coding and creativity throughout students of all of the partnering um, historically black colleges and universities. And so as part of doing that, I work with the faculty as well as students to really expose to them what it is like to the day-to-day -day life of being a software engineer. Because nowadays mm -hmm. you can get online and learn Swift and mm -hmm. and learn, uh, watch a tutorial of how to build an app. But do you know how to review a pull request? Mm -hmm. Do you know how to submit a pull request? Um, work with Git, uh, mm -hmm. how to work with Figma and yeah. go from design to uh, uh, actual app. And so that, those are the sort of things that I like to try to give them access to is like, Here's a tool that you may want to become familiar with mm -hmm. because in the workforce, you're going to come across Zeppelin and Sketch yeah. and Figma and some of these other items. And so I want you to be prepared for that so that not only do you have this comp sci education, but you also understand Swift and you understand the inner workings, inner workings of how teams work mm -hmm. and how companies work and how to work on teams and things like that um so i um i feel like you do have a lot of things a lot of things going on and i'm curious to hear how you structure your day to day but before that i also know that you're part of the swift core team uh like how, how do you fit all of that in as well you know sometimes i ask myself how i do it as well and i, I try to channel <laughs> my inner paul hudson um, because Paul seems to be in three places at, at one time. Uh, but honestly, it's it's been a really cool experience. Um, shout out to Holly Borla for like really introducing me and just um, telling me about the team. And um, I the, serving on the team has been really cool. I think from a timing perspective, it's it's one of those things where, you know, when you when you're passionate about something, you're able to find the opportunities and places to be able to serve however you can. And when the opportunity came to serve on the core team, to me, I mm. jumped at it mainly for the opportunity to just learn amongst folks who are really, really thinking deeply about how to move swift forward in very interesting ways mm -hmm. and how to uh, further build the community so that it can be just as strong as some of the other development communities out there from the the rust the pythons the mm. all of the various other languages and so it's been a really cool experience just um working with ted and ben and 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 a lot of those folks that just really 
are have been at Apple for quite some time, really have a deep <laughs> understanding of like probably part of when the language was being birthed and being in the mm-hmm. room of how, you know, and just being amongst those folks to just learn and not just learn, but also share my perspective. I think mm-hmm. the primary reason why I really wanted to join the team is I wanted to make sure that for the communities that I participate in mm-hmm. and the communities that I'm part of, that when certain conversations are having and certain decisions are being made, that that voice is also brought and that voice is mm-hmm. at the table. Um, and I think that was the main driving force for me to really participate and share and hopefully move the Swift community forward and be a part of what hopefully makes it easier for folks to join. Because that that's my thing. My thing mm-hmm. is I want as many yep. folks to join as yep. possible, as many folks to be a part of the Swift community as possible. But I also want it accessible. Right. It's you can you can talk Mm -hmm. about how great it is and and how great the community is, but then be in the same on the same uh, vein, uh, knowing that it takes a two thousand dollar MacBook and a one thousand dollar iPhone and, you know, a thousand dollar iPad. And so we have to be mindful of like as great as the community is, how can we make it to where that um, it's as accessible as possible Mm -hmm. to folks from all categories so that everyone could use some of that creativity mm-hmm. to be able to code and create and do these things. And so that's really my my driving force is how can I participate within the Swift ecosystem in such a way that makes it even easier for folks to join, which is why I love Swift on the I, Swift Playgrounds mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Um, yeah. is my jam. I I use that to teach the faculty and work with the students all the time because I can sidestep the whole MacBook yep. thing mm-hmm. and say, you have an extra iPad laying around? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's launch that and let's work with that. And so that's been a really cool experience. And I just look forward to that going even yeah. further yeah. and further. Do you find that uh, in like an academic setting, is an iPad usually commonly more accessible for people? Uh, much more accessible. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the communities, whether or not it's a school that partners with Apple or anything of that nature, they're generally they'll have they'll use iPads for books mm-hmm. and okay. things like that. Yeah. So it's like it's already there. They mm-hmm. may not be using it for programming, but the iPad's already there. Yeah. So if yeah. the iPad's there, then let's use it to learn some Swift and do some mm-hmm. interesting things. And that to me is really the name of the game is how can we get folks interested? Uh, how can we get folks started? How can we make the barrier to entry just a little bit lower mm-hmm. so that, yeah, once you get to that point and you have the MacBook, more power to you. I mean, when when my journey started, I'm not ashamed to say that my journey started on a Hackintosh. I did not have a <laughs> Mac starting off. And I almost yeah. vowed to, I will never spend $2,000 <laughs> On one computer, <laughs> when I can go to Best Buy or one of these places and yeah. get a four hundred dollar yeah. HP or six, yep. like yep. why? Who are these people spending two thousand dollars <laughs> on computers? And so my first development machine was an HP ProBook that I loaded <laughs> Mac OS on, yeah. and I worked with that machine for two three years before I huh. finally made the commitment yeah. to buy a MacBook Pro. And even then, it was a refurbished machine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, but that just goes to show you, I've made a pretty decent run at like development and worked with different teams mm-hmm. and different folks. Yet my journey started off that way. 
Yeah. Um, and so how can we make other folks, you know, their journey start easier so they can participate mm. and they can, you know, play as well. So I really like what you said earlier that you really like what you're doing and you want more people to have that. <laughs> uh, and I Why think not? that, yeah, and that echoes through everything you're doing. That is super cool. Yeah, that's um, uh, the name of the game for me is is sharing, sharing, sharing. If I found water, I'm going back to the tribe and I'm telling everybody where the water is <laughs> because this is you need to come get this water now. Some will come to drink and some will not. Doesn't matter. I told you where yeah. the water's at. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Which probably brings us to the next question. It sounds like it will be a hard one. What's the favorite part of what you do? <laughs> mm. I think the favorite part of what I do is when from a mentorship capacity, I've I've worked with a few different organizations to mentor not just the HBCU students, but like one of the local ones here in Orlando is mm -hmm. Elevate Orlando. I've worked with them where I, I'll go to one of their after school programs and I'll speak with a lot of the high school students on just not just so much swift, but just mentoring in general, sometimes talking about my career. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what I get the most, what I'm the most proud of is when I come across students who are able to, who have either heard me speak or have been a part of one of my sessions and they come back and show me a project that they started where like, look at this project that I just, I, I took some of the stuff you t showed mm -hmm. us in Swift and I, I built this or um, being able to help my mentor land his first developer job by walking him through the process of getting his GitHub profile mm. up to date and being familiar with the Git process um, or um, folks giving me words of appreciation if like maybe some words of advice that I shared with them worked for them in a positive way. I think impacting people's lives is probably the thing that I'm the most proud of and the, and the the thing that I look forward to the most more than any line of code that I could write yep. more mm -hmm. than any product that I could build. I think for me, the, the product building the product and writing the code I do as a point of remaining relevant and knowing what I'm talking about and having experience, but the true passion is in helping people. Mm. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. so that just being able to through. help people <laughs> is really all I really want to do. Yeah. Um, and so Everything that I do ideally leads back to that. Mm. Yeah, that that is really that is really cool, and I, I I think it you can really see that throughout like your whole uh, all your stories that it all sort of comes back together to teaching people and to helping people in the community. Mm. That's really cool. Um, speaking of um, contributing to a community, I think uh, you t you took on another responsibility of giving a talk at Deep Dish. <laughs> <laughs> How did I get trapped into that? No, shout out to Josh. That's uh, I, I'm definitely looking forward. I have not actually spoken. I haven't spoken for a while um, since Try Swift, and uh, I'm really. I think the pandemic put a, a pause on a lot of conference mm -hmm. speaking, and now we're finally gearing things back up. And you know, shout out to Deep Dish as well as being one of the first uh if not few conferences happening in north america because we sadly saw a a goodbye of a lot of the conferences mm -hmm. that we had locally and so uh one of the things that really really made me want to participate in deep dish is um 
I did not want to see the North American yep. conference circuit die. Yep. Right. Yeah, and yep. the second I saw that came up, as much as I was just like, ah, talk, okay, what am I going to give a talk on? <laughs> um, I, listen, I'll figure that out later. Let yep. me join and let me participate because I just want to be able to really participate in the community in one way, shape, or the form and get back into the circuit of being around people, that energy mm. of just meeting folks at the meetups. There's some folks that I only see once a year at Dub Dub. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm and and if not at Dub Dub, it'll be at another conference. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to kind of getting back at that. So yep. for the folks who haven't signed up for Deep Dish yet, <laughs> go get your tickets now. <laughs> it's going to be a great opportunity. I'm looking forward to. I'm I'm still refining some of the things that I'm I'm planning to speak about. But I I'm really looking forward to meeting folks again in person and yeah, yeah. really Me just too. kind of having that buzz again. Yeah. I agree. I think uh, I think it's gonna. Uh, even if the conference hasn't happened yet, you really feel this sort of warm energy around it. As soon as mm-hmm. like someone posts about it on Twitter or Mastodon or in this podcast, we really notice everyone's just so enthusiastic to be able to just um, contribute to a community and also meet meet each other and mm. meet everyone everyone in the communities. So I think really taking advantage of Ooh. like having an having an event where you can just chat with people and inspire each other i think it will be really fun absolutely all right this brings us to our rapid fire segment all right did you warn mark about some of the questions malin i believe so yeah perfect cool yeah, we're good to go <laughs> let's let's get started with the easy ones and <laughs> then then we get to the hot ones in the end um what is your favorite iris app favorite ios app so th- that's funny i i felt like i had to when i saw this question i needed to go to my phone and see what Siri suggests as my <laughs> yeah. mostly used yeah. app. And ironically enough, as much as I could really care less for social media, Instagram is one of oh. my favorite <laughs> iOS apps. Maybe, yeah. Honestly, not so much for anything other than I feel like sometimes I have so much going on that I just need to sit down and laugh. <laughs> yeah. And mm-hmm. getting on Instagram Reels... I will sit there for <laughs> who knows how long laughing at reels until I can I can't laugh anymore and I don't I could care less for any other fe- I just yeah. love laughing at reels <laughs> and for me uh like I I'm not a, you know before I was a very very heavy Twitter user when that when that used to work now it doesn't yeah. necessarily work for me as much anymore um but like I you know it allowed me to be able to connect with the community and just mm-hmm. kind of getting there. Mm-hmm. And now just anytime I get a little chance to just take a breather, mm-hmm. I go to an Instagram reel to laugh. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I think, I think it's a good point. I think it, like my approach towards different social media platforms has shifted as well. I think I was definitely more on Twitter and reading more there before, but now it just feels like you sometimes just, need a bit of a break from that and i think having yes. having another alternative makes makes sense but i also yeah, think instagram is probably like a hall of fame iphone app right the, yeah. it's it's been a, oh, of course yeah um, no it's it's i mean of course it's mainstream it's not like an indie app and there's several other like indie apps that i've used mm-hmm. but like just from a just from what siri suggested siri yeah. thinks <laughs> That my most used app is Instagram, yeah. so I went with that. <laughs> All right. So for the Mac app, 
Dare Siri couldn't help you, I believe. I don't think no, there's a suggestion feature, so you have to make your own, <laughs> pick your own. No, one. so one of my most favorite on the Mac is a uh, main stage. So um, I am a musician. I've been playing since childhood. Oh wow! Um, I play s- several instruments from. I, I, I did not expect you to have any more t- <laughs> time for any other things. <laughs> I, you know, I need to make more time for music because I feel like as of late, I really haven't touched. Um, my keys in quite some time so i grew up playing piano Hmm. uh and eventually from there it blossomed into playing the guitar and bass guitar and drums and trumpet and and just doing things like that like generally speaking if i um i feel like once you understand music picking up another instrument is it's like learning another programming language like once you already understand uh conditionals and variables and constants and functions so it's just the syntax and I feel instruments are like that in a lot of ways where once you understand music theory and how mm-hmm. music works, picking up another instrument is just learning the 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 quirkiness of that particular <laughs> instrument and, and going from there. So I use main stage a lot whenever I'm like either working on um, some songs or just um, kind of playing around with different sounds and oh. practicing, make, creating music in, in any way, shape or form and going from there. Oh, that's fascinating. Um, what's your favorite iPhone model ever? My favorite iPhone, I would have to say, is the iPhone 6. Mm-hmm. And I only go back mm-hmm. to that because that was my first iPhone. <laughs> Up until that point, I always had, I was team Android. You couldn't tell me anything about <laughs> because it was the most, I, I was a jailbreaker. I was yeah. running custom ROMs and downloading <laughs> nightly bills and doing that whole thing. And I remember waiting. Actually, the when I got my iPhone 6 was the first time um, I ever participated in one of those like launch events where you yep. wait in line. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never done that before. I used to laugh at those people all the time. Driving, <laughs> like, oh, these people waiting in line, you yeah. know. And sure enough, I was one of those people waiting four hours in a line. But it was such a cool experience because mm-hmm. the Apple employees were high fiving. <laughs> they were bringing us stuff in the line, and uh, it was it was really cool. And once I got that iPhone. That's what really led me to really say, okay, now that I have this iPhone, let's really start to see what development looks like on it Mm -hmm. and really get deeper into that. So I'd have to give that my favorite just by virtue of it being my first. Yeah, Good choice. Yeah. Um, So changing gear from uh, software and hardware, uh, what's your favorite food? Favorite food. So I'd have to say I'm Haitian by ethnicity. So my favorite food is a Haitian rice uh, called it's called black rice or otherwise known as Diri Jonjo. And it's uh, essentially a rice made with um, mushroom. I guess you could call it mushroom rice. And it's so delicious. I love Haitian cuisine and Haitian food. It's what I grew up on. It's uh, it's my default whenever if I'm away from home and I come back home. My first thing first is some Haitian food, some <laughs> some rice, some plantains, um, and things like that. So I'd have to give that my favorite. I'm just looking at pictures. That looks like something I want to try. Hey, John, John, listen, black rice will will change your life. It will change, <laughs> so if unless you're ready to be transformed, um, like you'll definitely love it. If you have a Haitian restaurant or a Haitian cuisine uh, near you. I heavily, heavily suggest that you try 
the black rice one and you come back and you tell me about your experience we got to do this yeah <laughs> um all right the next question this it's not really a question it's the mm-hmm. two truths and a lie um so it, the idea behind this is that um you'll tell us two things that are true and one thing that's a lie but you won't reveal the answer it's sort of up to up to the listeners to guess and go up to talk to you about it on the at the conference um so i will go with uh i am the oldest of five <laughs> i am a father of three and I've loved programming since childhood. Awesome. All right. All right. And where can people find you online? People can find me still on the app that should not be named. Um, <laughs> to, to, to the Twitters. I'm still on. I still poke my head every, once one, when my notifications do work. Um, <laughs> I'm still there um, uh, at, at Digimark Tech, D-I-G-I-M-A-R-K-T-E-C-H. I am also on Mastodon. Uh I, I I'm still trying to get used to it. I th- I feel mm-hmm. like I'm one of these reluctant people that's like I know I need to be there, but I haven't quite <laughs> found my niche quite yet. So I'm on, but I'm not. Um, so maybe hopefully once I get back into being in person and getting around more lovely folks, people will convince me of how to use it and, and <laughs> how to be more effective. Um, but yeah, mostly you can find me on on Twitter or Mastodon. Uh, same username on mastodon um and yeah cool yeah we put those in the show notes too awesome perfect cool. uh, thank you so much for joining us mark this was really fun i'm looking forward to seeing you in person thank you so much for having me i had a great fun time great conversation and i'm definitely looking forward to seeing you all at deep dish swift <laughs> buy your tickets today. <laughs> Awesome, and also next next time we chat, we we need to double our time allotment. I think this was this was so much fun, and and I, we still had to skip half the questions that I want I to talk to you about. Yeah. Sorry, maybe if I was talking too much on that, no, you no, start talking no, and not yeah. enough. That's a problem. We just we we, <laughs> we just need more time next time. Yeah, no all worries. Right. Yeah, looking all. forward to to catching up in person. Uh, will you? Do you think you'll go to WWDC this year? That's the goal. The goal is to try and. It's 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 funny because I actually have like this annual vacation. We're actually supposed to be. I'm taking a vacation with some friends to go to Europe. Um, we're supposed to be going to London and I believe Paris. I think, and it's scheduled <laughs> right around that <laughs> same time. <laughs> and so, what I'm honestly thinking about doing, similar to last year, I had a really so last year I was able to go to Dub Dub, and um, I was at Apple Park, and that was mm-hmm. a really great experience. And so, I'm really hoping that. Um, and I had such a great time meeting all of the different teams, the Xcode team, the Swift mm-hmm. UI team, the the uh, iOS Dev Happy Hour, yep. the all of the events that took place that week. And I mean, just meeting people and seeing folks that you just interact with online and seeing them in person was such an amazing experience. And so my goal this year is to even if I don't end up staying the whole week at a minimum, maybe doing like Monday, Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And then maybe flying. But what it means is that in order for me to do both, I'm going to fly from Orlando to Cali to go to Dub Dub and then fly from Cali to to east to across the pond. 
yeah. um, to meet my friends <laughs> yeah. uh, yep. for the, the vacation. So I, I'm on the fence because it's like, man, I'm putting a lot of work on myself to have yeah. to yeah. do There's it. Of all there. But, are you friends? Uh, are you friends, IRS developers, or then not not in tech? No, this is just kind of like no tech folks, just okay. folks that we have. <laughs> so you come right from. So you come yes. right from DubDub and you tell them all about all the new Swift UI APIs, and they're like, <laughs> they're, Mark, we, we don't really care. don't care. Let's look at uh, some London <laughs> sites, please. <laughs> we want to go take some sites. We want to go try some food and, yeah. and do things. Yeah. So that's what that's going to be like. And I think for me, had it not been the fact that my wife is also really interested in going it's kind of it's it's kind of like our uh alone trip for the year so it's like uh, i can't really like i can't cancel the trip i need to go to the trip um but i want to go to dub dub because everybody's gonna be out there it's apple park so we'll see if if the if i am ever so lucky to get the golden ticket yeah then i will i will make my way out there even if not for a day or two just to uh, just to say hi to everybody and mm. and and mingle because that was really the highlight of the experience last yeah. year. I mean, yeah. Apple Park was amazing. It's beautiful. I don't know if you've all had a chance to go to yeah, Apple we, Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah we've yeah, been we, last year. Yeah, yeah, last year. Yeah, so just that experience was really really cool. Um, and I think if not more than that, the experience of meeting the teams and the mm-hmm. people behind the work because I yeah. feel like sometimes. Apple employees don't get um, they don't get a lot of love online or the folks can man Apple this sucks Apple you need to fix this Xcode yeah. team fix this Swift UI team fix Swift and I feel like when you finally meet the people you realize the humanity of yeah. like that very thing that you're talking about online there's some real people working on that mm-hmm. people with feelings and yeah. emotion some people who have no control of what happens on the yeah. product timeline yeah. <laughs> what's on the roadmap what gets designed right uh, and i feel like being able to sit down and break bread with them in yeah. person mm-hmm. is what changes the experience and by virtue of that i want everybody to go to dub dub yeah. because i just feel like it it gives you a more a newfound respect yeah. for the teams and the work that they do and the things that we get to enjoy and you don't get that um unless you get in person because i feel like online is so impersonal it's yeah. so easy for me to just act yeah. such and such this yeah. sucks and it's not working <laughs> um and you'd never say that to their face in person yeah yeah <laughs> right? and it's also hard, so come right? on yeah, it's hard. but for for Apple folk, like Apple is a very secretive company, right? Even yeah. if if people would see that someone says something sucks, they're probably not in a position to say, you know what, we're actually working on that and we're fixing it, right? It's it's really hard. Mm-hmm. Like they're You're super smart, super nice people, uh, but it is it is just challenging to. I, I have a lot of respect for them. I like I said, I having the opportunity to meet them. I think I was having fanboy moments at first. Like, man, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. You're on the what's new in Swift section <laughs> of video 20. Like, and yeah, yeah there. Yeah. But I think just being able to kind of interact with folks that yeah. way uh, mm-hmm. was like really, really, really cool. Mm. And just gives you a newfound respect yeah. for the work that they do. Because they'll sit there and tell you, like plenty of people yeah. told me, look, mm-hmm. if you have an issue with Xcode or you have an mm-hmm. issue with Swift UI, DM me. So let yeah. me know if it's something that I could fix. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, by all means, please. Yes, sure. Give me the <laughs> feedback. Take yeah. it. Like, uh, make sure you go and create yeah. that. But, um, you know, I'll, I'm willing to help however mm-hmm. I can. That's just not a... That message is not broadcasted. Yeah. The message mm-hmm. that we see is yeah. the secrecy. Don't yeah. talk. Muzzle, yeah. muzzle, muzzle. Yeah. Um, and it's you know, folks are relatively want to help. Yeah. And they want to do that. There's just like a bad persona yeah. Yeah. behind it and all. And so, so passionate. Like, mm-hmm. people, folks Super from Apple are passionate. some of the most passionate people I've ever met in this industry. Really care about what they're doing. Really thoughtful. Mm-hmm. I, I, I genuinely think that... The people I've met all want to do the best they can. They do all the time. They really do. I think they. I think they do, and there's a passion there. Sometimes, let's not kid ourselves. It's still a big corporation, right? <laughs> and so, it's, it, regardless of the passion, if for folks who are familiar with working in big companies, passion or not, they have a roadmap and they have yeah. plans and they have budgets. And sometimes that stuff dictates more than what your passion does, yeah. um, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, But at the same time, uh, you realize that, you know, when it's all said and done, these folks are human. So Mm -hmm. cut them some slack. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. 